was like, I wanted to be a pilot. What's the naughtiest job I can do and get paid for? The whole idea of going on holiday, that magical feeling. So that's been there for me. So it's step by step. So like I said, you started on a small aircraft, twin aircraft, jet orientation, and then you get up to like the jet. For them, it's, oh my God, there's a turbine, a bug coming out of the flight deck. What the flip is going on? So I would fly with three kilos or four kilos of cooked chicken, three kilos of potato, two kilos of salmon, 200 grams or 100 grams of peanut butter. And I'd have my oat. I'd, I had that all packed with me, fro um, with um, ice packed. So I knew that when I get to the hotel, I have a fridge and uh, I made it work with cold food. Um, the competing didn't come until 2015, 2016. Pushed me and pushed my limit ridiculously. I've puked a couple of times through training sessions with him because we were pushing that hard. And, and, I, and to be honest with you, I love it. It's the idea of pushing the body, the boundaries, the limit, because it's something you enjoy. Knowing that what I'm putting in, I'm going to get something out of the aspect of competing. So a goal came into plan. And we, we pulled it off. We made it to the Arnold's. The first time a turban stepped on the Arnold stage here. Chuck, chuck, play And then come home and then chuck, chuck, play sing tomorrow. Welcome back to the CoachCast podcast. My guest today is a pilot and a bodybuilder who is recently the only man to wear a turban on the Arnold stage. Welcome, Rajay Sankchanda. How are you doing, brother? Thank you. Not bad, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on board. I really appreciate you taking the time to invite someone that's not very important or has a lot to give on your uh, podcast because this is a platform for a lot of people to learn from. So I appreciate you thinking that I have something to offer. It means a lot, man. Uh, we're being humble out of the gate, are we? No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> being truthful out of the gate, these are. Uh, yeah. You're a pilot and you're a bodybuilder who's competed at a very high level. So you've obviously got something to give. So let's let's not beat around the bush. But what we will do before we get into both of them topics is talk about baby Rajay. What were you like as a kid? What was your upbringing like? How was your cultural background? All, all of that jazz. <laughs> Fat kid, let's just start there. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. Um, uh, yeah, I did grow up as a fatty. I've been a fat kid, so I've had uh, a yo-yoing with food from uh, from the from the offset. Uh, yeah, born and raised London, West London, Ealing, and uh, I was when I was ten. A family immigrated to Canada for a year. Parents didn't like it because my dad was out there, my Fua, and a lot of my dad's side of the family were out in Canada, and. Uh, changing lifestyle and stuff it didn't really work out for my parents my brother and I were too young at the time to get up my younger brother he's uh three and a half four years younger than me so we came back and then continued life here but it was a, a good experience I still remember parts of it I still remember parts of being in school and the whole idea of not wearing a uniform in school at first you think oh that's just cool I can wear a shorts and t-shirt or whatever going into school but um that's just part of the culture that's there uh came back um still in West London <laughs> been here pretty much my whole life um Went to high school. So, yeah, I went did my GCSEs, A-levels here at um, a local high school. And I went to university, did uh, aerospace. We're moving on to my future career, back to being young. Yeah, so culturally, very, um, I was born and raised as a vegetarian, family-wise as well. Um, what else do I say? Very connected with family back in India, Canada, some people from obviously East Africa as well. But very family-orientated. I think that's pretty much I could say. Me as a youngster and still am to some degree. Yeah, well, West London's quite a diverse place as well. And it sounds like obviously you've got family all over the place and staying connected with them. You end up adopting a lot of cultures, I assume, not just I like your own as like coming from a, a Sikh background in Punjab, but also obviously the Canadian aspect, obviously the cultures around you in West London. Um, yeah. Do you think that that sort of broadens your mind when you were a kid? I think it's very, very good. Um, we were lucky that we were around Upne, so there was that strong connection with being Sikh or Indian. Um, 
but yeah, I was fortunate that I was mixed, grown up with mixed race kids and was very close to, it was like a brother to me and a sister. So they were um, half Jamaican, half Welsh. And uh, they were born next door and raised their younger brothers. He wanted my sister, I can say sister, because I was raised with her. She's into like IT, she does modeling as well. And my brother, Chris, he's um, a fireman. So we were raised together. So that, there was that cultural mix as a Jamaican father. So I was the oldest at the time. So their dad would take me along on the truck rides and stuff. So there was that whole combination of having not just the Indian aspect, but uh, having um, other cultures there. But it is nice to be, I'll be honest with you, it's very nice to be in that diverse environment because you didn't look to, I never looked at anyone differently based mm-hmm. on color, caste or creed. And I, I, I reason I bring that up is because I can give you a prime example of that. I was living in uh, Las Palmas, Canary Islands when I was flying. Being a bagwala on an aircraft, I came out of the flight deck to go to the bathroom. And the lady, there was two ladies sitting in the front row. You, I watched one of them knock the other one on the shoulder and point. Oh, so no. I just started laughing and I went into the toilet. It's like, because they don't have that cultural understanding. Like for them, it's, oh my God, there's a turban, a bug coming out of the flight deck. What the flip is going on? But just, it's just that lack of diversity, that lack of understanding. Because obviously what, what uh, the news or social media shows, bugs, terrorists, turbans, not, doesn't, doesn't go. Obviously uneducated. So that's why I was, I was, I think it's a really, really nice thing that in the dire, the area that I'm in, I'm probably similar to you as well, being up north, that you've had some level of diversity as well. 100%. A lot of the times it is ignorance. Like sometimes it isn't hatred or anything. It is just the, the unknown. Um, and obviously education is the way forward from that. Talking about education and sort of pivoting into your pilot career is sort of mentioned there. Mm-hmm. When you want to become a pilot, how early do you have to, prepare is it something that like you have to do obviously your degree would be tailored about it but do you have to think before that like a levels the gcse's here or there's two aspects to this so for me i wanted to be a pilot since i was a kid there's there's a photo of me somewhere i need to find it um i've got front teeth missing i'm on the flight deck big cheesy grin and the captain the first officer sitting there so as far back as that i've been wanting to that whole idea of going on holiday that magical feeling so that's been there for me in regards to the education aspect yeah i went down the engineering route at the time when I was doing my A-levels and stuff like that, I was like, I wanted to be a pilot. What's the naughtiest job I can do and get paid for? Is what I've always <laughs> said when people ask me. And so that the idea of travel is just a buzz. It's an excitement. Um, I did uh, maths, physics, IT, and Punjabi at A-levels. <laughs> Don't ask me my grades in Punjabi because that was hard. <laughs> um, and then I went to, yeah, I went to Brunel University, did aerospace engineering, basically. It was aviation engineering with pilot studies. So it was the aerospace modules, minus one module, and they give you a PPL instead. So you get to fly. And that's what I did. Um, that's what I recommend to everyone that's come to me and messaged me and asking. I was like, always go to university prior because it gives you something to fall back on. The aviation industry and the market is so fluid. Anything goes on. Let's go back to 2001, 9-11 happened. The market shut down. There was a very, very big crash at that point in the aviation sector. No one was hiring. Go along. 2008, we had the financial crash. And then recently with what COVID and how many pilots have lost their jobs. I've got friends very good and close friends in people places like uh, Qatar, Etihad, Emirates, guys in the Far East. Um, and, the, and the market's been um, quite uh, a bad place. But I was out of a job, like I said, since the 14th of March. I was the last time I flew, I flew back from Boston. Um, so I recommend going down that route. You don't have to necessarily have a degree in engineering or down the engineering. You can, but you've got to re- remember that it's financially very, very expensive to get into aviation and it's not what it used to be. You're not being paid. You don't have the, the sort of 
the benefits that you once did. So the guys that I speak to or the elders that have taught me and the older captains that I, I've known, ex-BA guys, um, ex-TUI, ex-Virgin and stuff like that, they, what benefits and things that they were given, I'm not getting or I wasn't getting as such. Um, but I always do recommend going down the route of going to university or getting higher education because one, you've got something to fall back on. And two, you can always decide to change because there's people that I know that went to flight school with me that didn't continue their flying careers. And at the time when I went through flight school, it was £90,000 for two years, full-time. Yeah. That's just flight training to get a CPL IR. Um, so I always recommend that. I was fortunate enough that I had my, my parents to back me and I owe, owe all this to my mum and dad. I mean, the sacrifices that they've done for me to be where I am today, even with the current climate. I mean, like I'm living at home. Um, I have been. Um, um, for me, family is the most important thing. Like there's no, there's no love bigger than that. You've got a unit... And unity and someone standing behind you you can't break this do you know what i mean mm-hmm. you, you stand like this you can break but this when you've got kaka bro there's nothing like it um like anything's achievable especially when there's unconditional love and it's truth as long as it's like such a um so for me i would say to others um always go for um higher education and then go into flight training if it's if you know it's something you want to do still get a degree because i think going to university i did three years it helps you grow as a person yeah and that's very important so I, I know guys that I studied with or who are fl- flying and friends that came from financial backgrounds, business backgrounds, doing random other jobs. Um, and they've come into it and they love it. So it's, it's, it's not going to be like, oh, I spent three years. I can't, uh, I can't do anything else you can. Um, just know it's going to cost and it's going to be a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice. And you can get into it. The market is going to grow. Um, there is signs and indications showing, like, for example, 1st of November, I think it was the correct date, where the US has opened up their borders to fully vaccinated people. That's a whole other story about vaccinations and stuff, which we don't need yeah, to get yeah, into. Yeah, yeah, let's not touch on that. <laughs> <laughs> but there is that whole idea of things are starting to move. We've got friends, Emirates, are saying that they're looking hiring. A few other low-cost airlines are hiring. I've just got information that's come through on different WhatsApp groups and stuff like that with other pilots. So it's all it's looking uh, positive, should we say, for the world. Mm-hmm. that motion is coming back because we all need to travel we all have family we all would like to go on holiday um, and not be so stagnant anymore no? 100% and it is one of the industries that obviously suffered probably more than any other um, or as, that as... and the hospitality as well obviously um, some people probably know my brother's an ex-Bungra dancer door player so he's been in that sort of wedding scene and the guys from Drumline like Jazz we're very close with like, literally like family um, the DJs, you know, Deadly Motion Music, those boys, the Enigma boys, they're all really close, all good people. That industry has been shot really hard as well, unfortunately. And a lot of them had to shut up shop. Um, the industry is picking back up on that side as well. So it's not just aviation. I mean, even locally, um, mm. a lot of people have had to change careers. And some people that I was doing Amazon driving for a little while, a lot of people went into doing delivery driving, truck driving, Tesco's, uh, stacking shelves, just a time pass, I know. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Well, I think it was that, that freak thing that just nobody's ever seen before. And obviously you mentioned the other circumstances of like market crashes and people being a bit scared after 9-11. But this one was more like a, nobody's allowed to go on a plane anywhere. <laughs> sort of thing. Global shutdown, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So it's, obviously it's, it's a full different scale. But um, as you say, it is starting to open back up. I've seen that a few people are going on holiday. A lot of people went to Dubai early on and things there. But again, we'll not talk about that one either. All these influencers <laughs> yeah. getting away with murder. Um, yeah. So when you finished uni, you've done your aerospace yeah. engineering degree. You mentioned flight school there. So that's an additional two years post-grad. 
Yes. So I was, oh, this is where I always get my dates wrong. 2009 to 2012, I was at uni. I went to Brunel. Uh, in 2012, I finished in July. And then in November 2012 is when I started flight training. I was there for two years. So it was, oh, I was at CAE Oxford. So six months ground school, six months in Arizona, and then back for another, so it was like 10 months for a bit more flight training, ground school, uh, sims and all kinds of other stuff. So it was like, it was practically two years. Um, and then out of that, and then straight out of the gate, two weeks after I finished, graduated, got an interview, got my first job. So I was one of the lucky ones, yeah, yeah. really quick. Out of that first job into my second job, it was, it was all transitioning very, very quickly. I've heard a lot of people go like pilots go to Arizona for training. Is it spe- like is it something special about specifically Arizona? Uh, it's just different schools. Um, so we've got like some of the main schools. We've got FT Horef, I think it's still around. CT, um, CTC, which is in Southampton, and they send their guys to New Zealand. It's because of cost of fuel and hours of daylight as such, and it's cheaper out there. So the schools use um, they have their subsidiary schools or um, airfields that they use. And so being at Oxford, they send their guys to Arizona, which is quite cool. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> not bad at sure. all. So during them two years, obviously, you'll be doing exams and things. Are you, but when you're saying you get in practice, uh, I imagine there's like flight simulators first before you're allowed to go in the air or is it just straight into the air? Um, no. So how that works is, uh, so like I did my PPL at university. So we was um, like a Cessna small, you know, there's light aircraft that you'll probably see in the sky now and again, driving around two-seater things. You start your training on that. Uh, with an instructor and you build yourself it's like lessons so there's ground school so you're in the classroom you're understanding the basics the principles of flight systems understanding what to do and then it's the basic step by step that they take you through um it's not cheap it does add (laughs) up quick so yeah it's it's like a step by step it's baby steps into school and then advancing so you're constantly studying you're constantly getting the theoretical knowledge and then applying it practically and then that's how it sort of builds and then when i went to um Oxford did my flight training it was the same thing light aircraft were building your way up through the hours coming up to your exam changing from a single engine um, piston to four-seater to a six-seater eight-seater twin engine aircraft right. um, you do your CPL on that um, and that's over like the period of six months and you come back here and then you have your simulator stuff where they use um, simulators like small stationary static simulators not full motion that you've probably seen those big 70 80 million pound boxes the stress boxes that we cause mm-hmm. call them sorry um so we do that to, to understand like instrument ratings so flying because obviously when you're in the clouds at 30,000 feet you're not going to be looking down oh look there's the m25 it's not like it's flying with instruments and flying with systems on board like that so that's it's just progressive training you finish that you do your instrument rating that gives you a frozen atpl air transport pilot's license and then there's two versions there's the airplane and there's helicopter so there's two different styles of training um, and then you do something called an MCC and a jet, jet, uh, jet orientation training or jet orientation course and then a multi-crew course as well. So when you're flying passenger jets or jet liners, there's two crew operation. They don't fly them like fast jets or these small aircraft. It's two crew operation. So you're becoming or, or learning the ideas of synergy on a flight deck because it's two brains working. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you can't be flying a 50 ton or a 250 ton or a 450 ton aircraft with um 400 passengers on board or whatever i used to fly 360 souls on board by yourself and i guess you yeah. have to we're trained to if like for example one of us was to fall ill or something unforeseen could happen but it's the training so it's step by step so like i said you started on a small aircraft twin aircraft jet orientation and then you get up to like jets and stuff right okay so sort of like driving a, 
a small car to a, a jeep to a minivan to a van to a truck and then yeah. obviously you can specialize if you want to do commercial or helicopter or jets and things like that yeah it, it comes under the two banners so it's either you have your air transport pilot license h helicopter air transport pilot license a airplane um, and then you can take it into so there's no difference between flying so i'm now flying for dhl i got a job last week yeah last week on my birthday so I'll, I'll be flying. It's the same thing. It's still commercial. Instead of flying passengers, I'm now flying Dubbe. Yeah. So it's no longer, ladies and gentlemen, welcome on board. This is your first off with Raj speaking, blah, blah, blah. All that, no. Dubbe on board, close the door, tough to be. <laughs> Slightly different, but it's the same principle. You take off from a runway, you get into another runway. It's commercial. It's paid flying for an operation. Congratulations, by the way, for, for that as well. Yeah, because as, as we said, it's, it's a tough time at the moment. So, uh, 100 congratulations. How does that actually work, though? Because if you're above the clouds, obviously, as you said, you can't recognize anything. What are the instruments? Do you know? Like, is it sat nav? Like, how does that work? That's the basic. Yeah, principle is that it's got. We've got sat nav on board. It works with GPS. It works with maps loaded on board. Right. Real time positioning. It's the same sort of idea. The concepts of you load a route. Like, for example, when you go into Waze or Google Maps or whatever, and you type, I'm going to Massey's house today, or I'm going <laughs> here today, and it programs that route. Same principle, it's preloaded, it's booked, it's scheduled in to work in with the flow of traffic and times and direction of travel, which the companies and systems do. Right, okay, fair play. So yeah. I guess over time, that's probably got more and more sophisticated as well. Or... Of course, yeah, of course. That like, like, was, a... like I said, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go, go on. on. I was just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm just a basic button presser, bus driver. <laughs> they all do all the smart, hard stuff, dude. <laughs> no, but obviously it takes a lot to get there. Um, you sort of mentioned earlier on about the coming out of the uh, the cockpit and and them two ladies sort of like indicating, oh, there's a there's a pilot with a like, cabin on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, and obviously we mentioned before about nine eleven and it sort of having an impact on travel in general and people being scared of like the turbine from what media has shown and it's it's obviously not got the seek representation in, in wider media is is that something that is um apparent in travel or in the airline industry uh, is there any no i can't say overt because I, I obviously it won't be able to be like open uh, discrimination but like t- talk me through that essentially there has been um it's not as much as such where you, um, you've flown with people from all around the world. Some people are just curious and they've never met someone like me or a Sikh or they want to understand. There's other people that know about it. Ex, at my um, ex-airline, um, I flew with one of the guys and he made a reference about my bug. I did just, when you meet, so you meet in the crew room and then you brief the flight and you talk about what's going on, passenger loads, fuel, routing, crew members, all the information, you brief it so that you're on the same page. You, you've you synced with the other person that we've got a profile in our heads, we've got a plan of action, what we're going to do, where we're going, and all the rest of it. And you could just tell with his energy and everything, you just pick up on it. I mean, bro, I've been <laughs> I've been traveling the world, I've lived in London, I've seen how you kind of know how to sort of profile and read people. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just some references he made, and it and it was this is where the aspect of uh, being professional plays a part. Like, don't get me wrong. I could go down the route of punching this guy's lights out. Not something I was going to do, but it, it's, you can, there is the option of doing that. Not, not mm. saying that I would ever do that. No. But he's like, uh, your people, in reference to conversations, those things, they stick with that you. And then, goes, yeah, and then he's, uh, the other thing he said was that, uh, that towel around your head. So 
instead of having a fun flight for nine hours or wherever we were going at the time, it was just very professional, stuck to the standard operating procedures, did my my position and, and my still with my roles. But that sort of scars you, you carry that. I mean, I didn't act upon it. I did, I did let management know. But that's very few and far between. Um, I've had other incidents in the past when I was in training, but you just, you, you get over it. Um, being exposed to it from a young age. I mean, it's not always been a uh, hunky-dory growing up. You've had it, in, I'm sure, if you speak to other things. We're still getting it today where of, of some kids are getting ripped off. And you've, seen, you've seen it on social media. And it's not, not ideal. It's not nice because it causes a lot of damage to individuals and to families. Um, so I've seen it growing up. I've had fights because of my guti at the time, obviously, we're a little bit more than and that. Um, but yeah, so you you ha there is very small aspects of it. And there is, I think, pretty much in every industry. So I speak to people that work in London, the city, um, they still get it, but it's it's reducing. And that's a nice thing to know. Yeah. I don't think you'll ever die. There's always going to be one or two, how can I put this politely, silly people, but they're far less than what it once was. Um, and exposure to the bug, like there's someone that you probably know there's a, a senior first officer at Virgin, just past thing, he works very well with, very closely with Carlsa Aid. And so when Carlsa Aid were flying out, Virgin um, yes, gave yeah, their aircraft, mm -hmm. yeah, they gave their aircraft free of charge to Carlsa Aid to load cargo and supply, emergency supplies to send over. So that's a positive light, Carlsa Aid coming from a Sikh background, seeing a Sikh pilot and seeing they're doing something positive for the world. So th uh, things like that are very, very, um, very, very good. Another thing, when I was living in Arizona, I was very, very fortunate. I don't know if you remember, um, I've forgotten his first name, but Mr. Soddy that was murdered after 2001 in New York oh, okay. uh, because of the 9-11 attack. So his oh. brother lives in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And I got in touch with them and I asked, where's the nearest Gordora? And they came and picked me up from my apartment. And so I was um, quite fortunate in the aspect that I got to go to the Gordora there and see the Sangha um, that side of town. Because obviously being away from home is still part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And um, he, after losing his brother, has been working really hard around America doing talks and seminars, providing education to say, hey, we're not what you think we are. This is what we are. This is where we come from. And so there's positive from a negative there. So he's going around teaching people about Sikhi, not necessarily trying to tell anyone to convert that this is the, this is the ultimate religion. No, nothing like they're just education to say, hey, we are Sikh. This is what we believe. This is where we're from. This is who we are. Rather than it being, hey, Turban Taliban, like yeah, it was yeah. when his brother was murdered. Yeah. So there is there is positives that do come from it and it's going in the right direction 100 percent, like and and that's incredible obviously turning that negative into a positive i didn't know about that but you do see like obviously the videos of i think even richard branson uh reposted that himself because obviously it was virgin and sending the oxygen chunkers to india and then you've got jigmeet in canada and, and there's the videos of him when ndp yeah 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 yeah, yeah that exactly. lady that was in his face we love you we love you yeah, yeah. like all their videos obviously do obviously go in our favor massive it, massive impact because they all go viral that when they go viral then it's a person who isn't aware and it's and can learn about it and it's like that thing that was said before it's like some people aren't doing it off a place from hatred but it is from ignorance and this is a conversation from many of the guests that i've spoken to because it is a common theme that uh obviously we receive as, as kids and things um and and i think most people are on the same consensus of it's it won't ever go away but it is reducing. Uh, the example that I like to use is that now racism is more tied to financial income. So that's a big thing that obviously reduces it. Like we've seen a few times where people have had private Snapchats that go onto say Twitter or Instagram go a bit viral. And it's the office worker that you probably 
said hi to and he's got a nice smile to your face and then in the evening he's going pucky this or whatever that goes viral loses his job the next day do you know what I mean so them things obviously will also help make it a lot less public uh, but we're tribal people as, as as human beings and and you will get the people who will not like outsiders and 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 that's yeah. that's just always going to happen but um I, I thought I would ask just for travel, well, pilot airline industry specifically because of 9-11, yeah. because of um, obviously that having a big impact. And, and we said the Taliban jokes before, the whole Taliban thing was in the news a couple of months ago as well. And, and then we occupy Afghanistan and you could see it starting to creep back up about towel head, Taliban, turban, this, and, and that miscommunication that happens in the media. So it's, um, it's a very weird predicament that we found because it is something that is inherently linked to our religion because it is part of it but then obviously it's a, it's a cultural thing as well so it's like we have the religious turban on one side but we have the cultural turban on the other side which is literally anywhere who has heat or where it is protection essentially so it's like how do you distinguish the two <laughs> yeah, it's a it. hard one um but we'll, we'll get out of the doom and gloom and we'll turn to a more positive thing. Have, have you said there that the travel aspect is probably your favourite thing? Is that, would you say, like, where's the best places in the world that, coming from a pilot who's travelled everywhere, where would you recommend people to go? <laughs> That's very specific to people. Now, me, I like both aspects of city life and being out on the sea uh, or the beach or jungle or something like that. So I'll, I've been very fortunate. I've travelled quite a lot, not necessarily as much as some people that I know. Who can boast about it but um like new york's one of my favorite cities i absolutely love flying to new york it's not that far it's a wicked life the lifestyle the energy the vibe it's out of this world and the other aspect of like la simply because los angeles um you've got the beach you've got gold's gym venice beach um home of bodybuilding and all the rest of it so it, that's just one aspect of it i've flown down to rio um, so i've traveled there been to buenos aires and argentina I've still got uh, the rest of the um, South Americas to do. Um, I've been to the Far East. Um, I know China's off limits at the moment, but uh, I was when I was at university, I raised some money for a, a charity, Childreach International, to help. And they do projects around the world for schooling, food, um, stuff in India, Africa, and other parts of the world that are less fortunate. And so I, I raised, um, with my, the help of my family, we did a, char um, a charity do raised like two and a half three thousand pound for it so i walked to parts of the great wall of china it's not one wall by the way like i thought it was there's okay. actually like nine there's nine walls right yeah and they've only re, like sort of renewed and rebuilt some some of them some of them are still old and battled and tatty and stuff but it was nice to see that so i'd say china when it's open is something to go see the far east um i'd like to go where else i'm yet to go to the sort of australia and all the rest of it that's on the plans. Have you been to Japan yet? No, that's somewhere I really do want to go. So that's on, on the list. Um, that's somewhere I would really like to go, actually. <laughs> I haven't been there yet. I'm sure there's plenty of people that have, have been. I have seen some friends and family and pictures and stuff. People have gone. It is a truly a beautiful place. Um, I want to go because I've got Japanese koi, so I'm a, a, a ardent koi collector. Um, <laughs> hobbies, man. Expensive hobbies. So <laughs> I'd like to go there to see those those fish and where they come from, the mud ponds and the, the breeders and stuff, just to learn. I think that would be quite cool to see. You wouldn't expect the singing it to be into fish. And stuff. <laughs> I was going to yeah, say I'm, that I'm as well, we unexpected. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a bit of a weird, weird character. <laughs> yeah, big lover of animals, man. 
hundred percent. Japan's up there for me. Japan's if I could go anywhere, it would be number one, Japan. Number two yeah. would be Rio, which you mentioned there. What what was that like for you? Uh, I was sick, unfortunately, on that trip. Oh, no. <laughs> I woke up, uh, went for breakfast, and I just about made it to the bathroom to take my insides out. Funny enough, for two days, I did go out and stuff, but I didn't. I didn't, unfortunately, because I wasn't feeling too well to see. I forgot the name of it, but the the, the, the Jesus Christ statue. I wanted to see mm-hmm. that play. Play, I forgot the name of it. So. Christ the Redeemer. But yeah, Christ, Christ the Redeemer. That's it. Um, so yeah, I will go back. Um, but that's cool. Where else would you want to go? I think they're they're top two for me. Um, I'm not really. I'm more of like a city guy myself, so I'd prefer like to actually do activities. I'm not like one of these guys who could probably sit on a beach. Um, a I went to Rome and Budapest. Rome and Budapest were both good. I'd probably like to go China as well. Um, New York. I don't know, Vancouver probably. I've got family there. Yeah. Make sure you go. Make yeah. sure you go. Vancouver's wicked. Um, I, I went there a couple of years ago with... Um, couple of friends to ski for the first time that was a wicked trip <laughs> so i'd recommend going whistler is a cool place to go in the winter yeah just get your snowboarding and your skiing on and generally that is a really really beautiful place to be man canada's quite pretty 100 i've got a lot of family scattered around canada i've just never been myself so i do definitely need to take a trip out <laughs> yeah, do it, man. Um, yeah, hit up the west coast if you can if you are yeah. going to go try try do um, so I flew. I once I flew into Seattle, hired a car, and I drove up to Vancouver to see my mussy, my my nanny. So my mum's mussy. She's the last. Um, I posted a picture of her recently. She's the last n- grandma nanny alive of that generation. So she still lives in Vancouver with that family. So I go to see them. So I did a little trip. Flew in, grabbed a car, went down. Still found a gym there. Met some people, <laughs> made some friends, which is good. But Vancouver definitely. I really recommend that. Hit that. Hit Seattle and go down. You could do Vegas and then um, Los Angeles down to San, uh, San Diego. All that West Coast. That does yeah, sound yeah, yeah. sick hit to me. You spoke about obviously the gym there. You always got to find a gym. Um, <laughs> the, the, the time constraints of being a pilot. So that is obviously like a, you, you're flying, you're all over the world, and yeah. somehow you'll always find a gym. Like how did it, how, everybody, I think, struggles with work life balance and fitness and work balance sort of thing but it's probably heightened being a pilot no yeah well let's try and word this in the best way and so we can cover everything um it's perfect to find a balance so i recommend it to everyone social media media the news tv is all programming so the mcdonald's everybody knows the mcdonald's tune don't they so everyone knows you can get a burger for 99p is that necessarily right for you every time? No. So it's about finding that balance and changing certain little aspects of your life um, to keep that. Your health is really important. So yeah, I'm at the extreme end. I compete in bodybuilding. I haven't been competing that long. I don't know if I will be competing too much longer. It's just something that I've sort of fallen into and I, I do enjoy. But I grew up as a fat kid, like I said earlier, fat boy at heart. I'm still a fat boy now. <laughs> Food, uh, I've got a mad sweet tooth. So for me, um, it's uh, a hobby that's turned into an important part of my life. And I really do enjoy it. Um, uh, Ex-karate, um, I was going for my black belt at the time. I stopped when I was went to university. I did that from the age of six. Um, so it's been a part of who I am for a very long time. And then you grow up and you're learning about nutrition, diet, and importance of health. Um, so for me, yeah, um, balancing it with my work, I was able to. So some people, like a good friend of mine who I work with, who got me, helped me get the job here at DHL, he's into fitness as well. He hasn't competed. Very strong fella. He was with me at uh, flight school, so he was my gym partner. Big fellow as well, really strong. Um, I, so when I was flying with Norwegian, I was also 
getting ready for a competition. So everyone goes down route landing. Yo, guys, we're going to go for food, steak, or we're going to get some burgers or burritos and some beers. I wasn't doing that because I was so at the extreme end. So I would fly with three kilos or four kilos of cooked chicken, three kilos of potato, two kilos of salmon, um, 200 grams or 100 grams of peanut butter. And I'd have my oats. I'd, I had that all packed with me fro- um, with um, ice packs. So I knew that when I get to the hotel, I have a fridge. And uh, I made it work with cold food, um, even on route, on flights. Yeah, there was times where I'd eat meals on board because oh, I'm craving chocolate <laughs> or I want something naughty. But it was finding that fine-tuning balance. And I was able to do it with the help of a coach, with the help of Ungood from D's Muscle and Fitness. He's literally like family. He helps dial me in. He helps me in my competitions. He helps pro- like program my diet, my training. And he's, and he's been there for me. So, as I always say, hat off to him. He's uh, someone that's been in my corner and he's held me together and helped me be accountable. So I fly with my food and I prepped in 2018. No, what were you, 21, two years ago? 2019. 19, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, 2019 has been two years since I last competed. Um, so I, yeah, I was flying around the world. I'd land in New York with my food with me. Um, I knew where the supermarkets were if I needed to pick up some more fresh vegetables, some spinach or whatever else. Um, in the morning breakfast, I'd, I'd make work with whatever I could get at the places. Um, and yeah, so I, I did that while I was doing fl- flying. So it's a matter of if, if you want it bad enough, if it's important yeah. to you. I mean, that's the extreme end. I mean, you can still have a healthy lifestyle in fitness and fly. You don't necessarily have to um, fly with the food pre-cooked. You can use <laughs> meals on board. You can, it's like macro counting. You can use apps out there. There's like MyFitnessPal, for example, knowing, okay, I'm going to have three eggs for breakfast, two toast. You can program it in saying, okay, my, I know my maintenance calories or I require 210 grams of protein per day based on my body weight. Um, and just trying to make it work with that. And then having, the idea is to have balance. So every, every anyone that's come to me for help or advice or I've helped put diet plans together or just ideas or just anything, I always say, find that balance. What is it that you're trying to achieve? Oh, I want to do this, A, B, C. I want to get X, Y, Z. Fine. All right. So what do you need? What's your short-term goals and long-term goals? What we can do is we'll make a small plan, find out what your baseline is, and then we can adjust. And it's always about finding the adjustments. You can't be stuck in a box. You've got to know that life and lifestyle is always fluid. For example, I need to be at an office appointment at nine o'clock in the morning. You might get a flat tire on the way. you've got to be dynamic you've got to deal with situations as they occur so okay i've got to be at work today i didn't have time to prep my meals okay i know i can go to sainsbury's or marks and spencer's that's five minute walk from my workplace i can pick up a salad and i can pick up a a wrap chicken or and make it work so there's there is that fluidity that you can always make around and again that comes down to anyone that's asking me for advice that says oh hey saying you look sick i don't always look like that i'm only posting what I want you to see, um, I can show you the truth. I, I've got nothing to hide. Um, anyone that wants to ask me the truth or want to see something, I can say, look, this is what I look like now. I'm not in stage lean condition. I'm not 5% body fat or 8% body fat or whatever. Um, but it's trying to understand that, that you have to learn how to balance with what you have in real time. Because life, life's always going to throw curveballs. Family's always going to throw curveballs. Um, you're always going to get knocked down. It's, it's just how you mitigate and how you manage and get yourself some help if you need a coach get a coach if you need someone to talk to if you're dealing with something in your life don't give up on 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 your goal or say i'm into fitness oh i've had a bad day at work fuck it i'm gonna excuse my language i'm gonna binge eat i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i do i do it i'm 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 a, I'm a human being i'm not gonna lie there's days where i've had um things that are going on in my personal life that have caused me to break down um, i'm not gonna lie about it i'm human i cry i weep 
I, I need to be loved. I need to feel emotionally attached to something. And so I break down and I'll sit down and have a bowl of cereal, six biscuits, and then go eat a whole tub of ice cream. And I'm like, why did I just do that? Humans, <laughs> now you talk so about language. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> no, no, obviously, I think like to boil it down, it's sort of, from what I understand, what, what I took from that is basically just discipline and priority. Like if you want to achieve something, you have to prioritize that goal. If it does mean to shift around other things that are less important in your life, but maybe again, the a society around us deems more important, then leave them things and, and focus on yourself and what you need to do. I think the flexibility aspect, aspect is, is super important because for me, um, and well, everyone's individual, do you know what I mean? Everyone is going to like things and, and body's going to react different ways. When I first started, it was very much the grilled chicken and rice with no flavoring on it or whatever. No, it was no, the no, basic. no, leave that out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, nah, like it's not going to happen for me. So then you have to sort of tailor things. And I'm not much, much of a person for sweets and chocolate. So for me, it was easy to just make up them calories because I'm not going to have chocolate afterwards. I'm just going to put extra loon masala on the on the chicken do you know what I mean and actually have like I'll have tandoori chicken or like something like that instead of having the chocolate yeah. afterwards so like everyone will have their own preferences what will work for them better and I feel like that's very important and just basic understanding not it doesn't have to be mental but of how calories and things work and, and half of the time an app will tell you that nowadays like my fitness pal Mm. which is uh which is really fascinating but I, i'm still picturing in my mind just like the pilot at the front having like <laughs> chicken and rice in a box or something or like some Bro, it's, it's, what you're what you're visualizing is the truth you've seen, <laughs> you've seen me i'm in the right hand seat i'll open my dub bar i get my weighing scales out i put my collie there i put my food in i'm weighing it while we're flying i'm like yo you've got you're in control cool radios are yours headphones off garnet on and I'm sitting away munching my salmon or my chicken or whatever else. <laughs> that was then. If like, there's no any turbulence, you're <laughs> fucked, don't it? <laughs> don't worry, you've had plenty of doll stains on that, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, um, as you said before, obviously, the fat kid growing up, similar to myself, and I've had this conversation with, with Manj, obviously, is... Um, yeah, similar obviously... similar body type. So Manj is a lot taller than me. Uh, I'm mm. 5'11", 6 foot one with a bug, if you count with one. <laughs> Yeah, he's obviously six three, six four, or whatever he is. But yeah, so his body type, where you look at him growing up in his pictures that he posted, I've got a similar one before, for my first transformation on my social media, on my Instagram, for people that want to see it or people that have already seen it. Um, so we've got that same body type. You know, the the, the Michelin tire, the love handle, <laughs> the cogger. It was I've got the same body type as him, in that aspect, or had, should we say? So, uh, and you said you were into karate up until when you went to university. Um, is did you get into lifting and fitness to supplement that or uh, was it like, I assume you got into karate to counteract the, the chubby kid, but then did you get into it? Was, fit- uh, my parents put us into that. So my brother and I, they said it was good, obviously for discipline, understanding health mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's programmed and, and helped us in the way that we are now. I think it's very important for children to go into whether it's ballerina, whether it's swimming, a form of sport as an outlet is very, very important for children growing up and just as much as education is so and after school activities are vital um obviously nowadays kids want to sit at home like when we were growing up we didn't get our playstation one i think it was until we were like six or seven eight or maybe even older um, but we were always out and about like i'm that kid that was in the garden eating mud as a youngster man i've, I've heard the stories licking stones and eating newspaper random i know but um that was very important 
and it's helped us in, in the way we are. The, the, the fat kid was just, oh, just overeat. <laughs> Brought him, yeah, him yeah. you know how it is, isn't it? Kala, bleed, Kalini, you have to finish your play. Just that, and then obviously the extra sweets and stuff. Um, and then I went into, as you were saying about the, um, it wasn't to supplement that, and it was more so, you know, when you're at that age, seven, 16, 17, 18, or oh, yeah, I need to get some biceps now, and it need to be impressive in a T-shirt. <laughs> so it was just, oh, we started doing that, and then, I yo-yoed through university first year, lost a load of weight, got really skinny, and then coursework and exams come in, and you balloon back up, and then down again, and then finally you balloon back up. Um, but it was that's when I sort of started um, getting into lifting and training, and it was that at that element, it was just lift as heavy as possible, train as hard as possible, and eat whatever. So we'd smash the gym like like gorillas, quite literally, chuck chuck it, play tamahani, and then come home and then. <laughs> so that's where it started up for me and then just learning about diet and uh, and lifestyle so it was just it was a journey in education as such so it sounds uh, quite similar to a lot of people to be fair is it is in when you do get to that age of like sort of pre-uni uh going into uni i feel like that is when a lot of people adopt the gym it was similar for myself because i was quite yeah. a a late bloomer so I think I like I ended up having my growth spurt at 18 19 and you remember like the the like mums and dads would always say oh don't lift heavy weights before you grow spurt otherwise you'll stay small and all these things so after that point is when I got into the gym um and obviously through uni you get a bit preoccupied when, when is the point where you started taking it a bit more seriously and the thoughts of competing started to, to come into your mind okay seriousness happened sort of as I was finishing up so I started getting training, started getting very serious. I was doing five mile walks a day, sort of through second and third year uni, and I continued it. Um, through flight training as well, it was very consistent. Training was always there. Um, the competing didn't come until 2015, 2016. Um, I was starting my first prep in 2016, and uh, the day I started my prep, I broke my finger. So you can see this finger slightly bent in comparison to this one. Uh, I had to have surgery. My brother it was our first set. So he's done his first warm up. We're doing chest day one. New plan. Wicked. Oh, I'm getting ready to compete. He puts the dumbbell down on the floor. I got for my first set, warm up, warm up. I come down with, I think it was a 26 kilo or 30 kilo dumbbell. And I just drop it. But my hand stays in there. So I oh, snap the flannex. Yeah, I slap the flannex off the front of my finger. So unfortunately, this finger is slightly odd shape. Not everyone knows. So uh, that took me out from my 2016 prep until this was repaired. <laughs> and then my first competition I did in 2017 and it was the reason why it was the guys that I started training with so there was a very very good friend of mine they call him the Buffalo Soldier Kevin Howell um, Grenadian guy built like a brick house <laughs> he was the strongest guy in the gym where I, I used to train and um, he's like Raj come because he saw how I was training it was grunting it was heavy and he took me under his wing just to teach me because he'd been competing for a while and being as strong as he was it pushed me and pushed my limits ridiculously there's not a lot of people that wanted to train with him or could go I've puked a couple of times through training sessions with him because we were pushing that hard and, and, I've, and to be honest with you I love it it's the idea of pushing the body the boundaries the limits because it's something you enjoy the outcome knowing that what I'm putting in I'm going to get something out of this it was mm -hmm. beyond anything I'd ever ever seen because the diet was coming into play the aspect of competing so a goal came into plan um so that's where it's sort of the, the, the competition of the competing aspect came in. I really fine-tuned and channeled that controlled strength 
dieting and balanced it all in. And I was flying at the time, funny enough. I was in my first job. I was at Ryanair when I first, first started flying. And so I was living at home. Um, I did, like I said, Las Palmas, that story where I was saying, from the two ladies. So I went to the Canary Islands for about five months um, and I was on a plane seven days a week, man. I was five days out there flying. Day six, I'd fly home. Two days at home. Day one, I'd fly back. Spend the week they had a gym there. Yeah, so I made it, I made it work. And then I'd run to the supermarket on day one pick up lettuce um, bags of lettuce salad boxes and some cooked chicken or something and just made it work that way and chocolate of course (laughs) (laughs) there was always something a little bit of silliness here and there um but that comes down to that sort of idea of balance knowing that if something you enjoy have it in moderation have it in control having knowing where to put it and how to utilize it so that you feel satisfied but you're not going all out like me where i can sit down and have a 30 biscuits in one sitting and, and the mental aspect as well so like um speaking to a few people who are, are involved in lifting and bodybuilding like mm-hmm. the the mental aspect seems like a massive thing part of it you have to be some sort of sick and twisted to even get satisfaction of puking during a workout do you know what I mean to even push yourself <laughs> to the level and I've seen some of your training videos the face <laughs> the facial expressions that you fucking have are a madness from it looks like you're getting a bit too much pleasure from certain exercises oh, do you know what I mean <laughs> no I'm, I'm not that evil I'm not that bad <laughs> no it's just um yeah obviously you don't feel good at the time when you've got 200 kilos on your back and you're squatting like an idiot but it's the feeling afterwards because there's a goal. You, you know that you're going to get an achievement. At the time of puking, I'm like, bro, I'm going to die. I can't do this. But afterwards, you're like, you know, I've pushed it. It's just a it's a normal um, sort of body reaction mm-hmm. when you're pushing the limits. It's, it's, it's not necessarily that you're finding pleasure in it. But yeah, the videos are there. It's just the motivation side of stuff we do. Like, I'm very lucky and very fortunate. I know people like Harry, Harry Kules, like a brother to, literally like a brother to me. Um, like I said, Ungood, Randy Blote, who's a PCA pro. Um, people have seen pictures of him. They've on social media. They've compared his back to people like Ronnie Coleman. Like his back is nuts. Yeah. He recently got married, so congratulations to Big Budgie there, Ricky. Some of the other boys up in the Midlands. Um, there's loads of boys down here that we I train with, and it's just that whole idea behind it. Um, it's something that you enjoy, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going with that. I've just gone blank. <laughs> you was going to say something? I forgot. I was going to say that that um, that sort of sick mentality behind it. So, what sparked the decision to to get there? So, obviously, you said when you got got into training, it was it was with the gentleman at the gym who obviously trained really hard with. But even before then, what sort of is that mentality switch that wants you to compete? Because, like you you were saying, you were going hard in the gym as like many people do, but not many people will. Like you said, you you will train hard and then eat hard. But nobody's put like uh, yeah. people are prepared to train hard and then restrict the calories. <laughs> the, yeah, see, I uh, up until I didn't start training with Kevin in the gym, it was train hard, eat hard, and it was the idea of the, the, the pleasure or the satisfaction came from came from lifting weight. So the whole idea, I was stuck for years. I used to train with guys at David Lloyd, one of my good friends, Gurpreet, call him Karku. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people know him. He's a good friend of mine, like literally like a brother. I say a brother for a lot of people because there's a lot of love. Um, so he was my training partner. We were for, I'm not joking, for I think 18 months, I was stuck at 180 kilos, four plates on a deadlift. Not a lot of weight, but for me, it was like, yeah, I just done 12 reps, three sets at 180 kilos. As soon as you put another kilo, literally one kilo, I couldn't lift it off the floor. It's weird. Um, so it was that satisfaction of building numbers, the whole idea. I was very weak on upper body. Still am. I'm weak compared to a lot of people. I've got nothing to show for it. I, it was progression that was the satisfaction, the buzz going in the gym, yo, it's, it's chest day today, or yo, we're doing the five by five um, German um, volume training, GBT. 
and it was pushing the boundaries, it was pushing the limits. So pre-workout going, kind of itching, music blasting, pangras on. It's like, Jack, come on, let's go. we got this, we got this. And there's that, that grunting, that force, that sort of alpha mentality. Um, and then it was when I came and started training under the people that already competed, it was, it was that controlled strength, aggression, and focusing it with an understanding of, it's not just about lifting weight. Let's lift with a purpose now because we're trying to carve and sh- um, build tissue because bodybuilding is not strength this is what people need to fine-tune and understand there is power lifters there's people like Indiraj, really really strong strong thing really strong. strong yeah i bet it's awesome to see him i message him here and there um he's a he's a top thing and he's doing really well there's karenjeet baines she's doing a lot for the olympics as well um and, and team gb and stuff but their style of training is different it's numbers it's chasing a figure um and then for bodybuilding, it's about not necessarily oh, who can lift the, big, the biggest dumbbells in the 75s. Obviously, you work your way up to build and lift heavy because you're building tissue, you're breaking down fibers to build more, put more protein in and supplement it into growth. Um, but it was the idea of, okay, now we're not here to lift and break the gym in half, <laughs> flick and throw weights through the gun. It's more, um, okay, let's carve the muscle. Let's reduce the weight. Let's add reps. Let's do cluster sets, drop sets. Let's fatigue the muscle. Let's do uh, incline bench because your upper body is upper chest is weak. Your deep, your bottom chest is good, so we will leave the dips out. Let's do flies at a higher angle because we're trying to carve the muscle because you've got a weakness. Bodybuilding is an art form. Hundred percent. And I, I say it a few times, obviously speaking to some of the previous ones, that Ronnie Coleman is is obviously one of the biggest and best in the sport. And there's always something. I think he did an interview. I can't remember who it was with. Um, it might have been on Rogan or or, uh, or something like that, but. He used to take a picture of himself every single day and you get like a, a permanent marker, like a red marker. And he would draw where he would want his muscles to grow or like where this part's too big. So I need to get leaner here. The shoulder's small. So you like round the shoulder a bit, a bit more. And it is perfected. It's literally like sculpting a body. And that is an art form. If you went to like Florence and went to see David in the, in the museum in, in Florence, you would look at that and you would think that's, that's beautiful. It's art. But that sculpture was done by a person that, like, and, and that's what bodybuilders do to themselves. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you're is, building it, and carving. And that's and what you're you that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it's it's, it's a grind because I think the biggest thing with that is is you when you take when you see yourself in the morning, and you will have one of them sessions where you will pu- be puking or you're almost fainting and you're lightheaded and shit. You come back in the evening, you look exactly the same. It's not going to happen in one day. Yeah, and most no, people. That's it. Most people is when that that's like the thing where most people give up is because it takes a while, it takes weeks, it takes months. This is, takes- this is that whole idea of having balance and mm-hmm. lifestyle. You know what I was saying just a little while ago? It's about finding that fine-tuning balance. You know you're gonna have bad days and good days. It's about the overall progression. So you know you short-term goal this week, no chocolate, or this week I'm gonna go to the gym five days, or this week I'm not gonna do this or I'm gonna do that. But my long-term goal is to drop three waist sizes or put on two kilos of muscle or have an inch on my bicep or do a muscle up or I want to be able to bench 100 kilos or something. So you've got your long-term goal. Yeah. You're not going to go from benching 60 kilos to 100 kilos in one chest session. When you go in three hours, two pre-workouts, a coffee, you eat a sandwich, you go in there, chuck, chuck. In. No, it don't work that way. It is oh, that gosh. consistent, <laughs> disciplined, grot. you trust me, bro. The amount of times I've thought that. Ex-bicep, glad let the bomber be into the home. It doesn't work. <laughs> But if, if you enjoy it, you, it's just enjoying the journey. The, the, 
the getting on stage or the getting the 20 inch bicep or that small waist and that hourglass figure is the goal. Even I struggle with this. Sometimes I forget, yo, enjoy the journey. Yo, you're getting to, you're getting the privilege of doing an hour of cardio or you're having the privilege of controlling your diet and your macros because you know the outcomes. Enjoy the journey. If you need help, if I can help in any way, shape or form, people, you know where I am. Um, if I can help you in any way, I will, I promise. I swear I will help. If I can't help, I'll put you in, in connection with people that I think can help you. Like I've got people behind me, nutritionists, dietitians, um, other doctors that I know and speak to. Um, if there's people that can help with mental aspects, if there's people that connect with your career, whatever it is, give me a shout. I promise whatever I can do to help, I will. Um, but it's just try and enjoy your journeys, whatever your goal is. If it's fitness, obviously we're talking about being Indian pilot because it's, that's what I'm doing um, in fitness. But if there's any other aspect, if you want to be the best writer in the world, if you want to be the fastest swimmer in the world, whatever you're trying to achieve, if there's anything I can do to help you, give me a shout. I promise I'll do my best to help. If it's flooring that you need, if it's construction that you need, we have contacts. Give Rosewood Group a shout. Give there's people that we work with are really good, and there's there's honest people out there. So shout out to all of those people. If you um, want to start a koi fish collection, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you want to get some Japanese koi, and you want to get that, give me a shout. We can start talking about uh, different types of koi breeding, males, females, and all the rest. Of it. If you want to get to dogs, give me a shout. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that is sick. To be fair, because I think that is that is sort of where a lot of people struggle. I was fortunate uh, that one of my mates was already in the gym, had already begun his like learning process, and and um, and basically took. <clears throat> Basically took me under his wing. We'll, we'll cut that part out. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't cutting that out. There's no way you're cutting that out. <laughs> but we, like, um, yeah. So he he um he sort of took me under his wing and, and like I got a lot of learning and from the correct sources. So he's like, do obviously your own education, but here's like some websites and here's some reliable forums and things, rather than the diet pill that's on Instagram or whatever. Which I feel like a lot of people do fall into them trappings. Um. But yeah, like when you can reach out to figureheads and in, in community who I, I always say like it's it's more achievable when somebody looks like you and has achieved it because there are certain cultural things like if obviously you want to go on a diet plan that doesn't incorporate rugby on a on a on a weekend or oh, an well, evening. It, of course it works. It, it works. Of course you can you can implement anything in a diet. Um it's not it's don't be jealous of somebody else's journey. Like uh, something I read or something I saw a while ago, and it's true, it's Rather than, ah, oh, look at him, he's lucky. Look at her, she's lucky, she's got it. How, you should be asking yourself, how did you do it? So that you can do it too, if that's something that you want. Huh? 100%. Finding the people with that right energy around you, man. Energy is everything. As we see, so let's get on to your training. Because as I said before, the videos are a madness. Like, you look like you got some fucking demon trying to crawl out your eyes or some shit. Your eyes rolling back. <laughs> like, your undertaker or something like that. So, obviously, the intensity you've said has always been there. And uh, and again, there's something else that I, I heard recently was the um, the gardener and no, a warrior in a garden sort of thing. Have you heard that before? Is then like yeah, you would be the warrior, be the, yeah, be a warrior in a garden rather than a gardener in a, war, in a war. Exactly. So, is yeah, it. Good words. Is it like controlled aggression? Is it just getting your intensity and the aggression out there, but then controlling it in this way? And, and how do you maintain that intensity? Uh, yes, it's, it's finding that balance. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest, you're saying that these videos are a madness and there's a hype behind them. Yeah, don't get me wrong, there is. Um, I'm actually happy when I look like that. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't train with a broken heart. I can't train when I'm hurting. 
a lot of people can use anger, upset, and aggression to go into the gym. I'm not one of those people. I cannot lift upset. If right. I'm going through pain or something, I'm not that bender. I promise. I'm a, I'm a broken soul. Um, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So a lot of people that do know me on a personal level know that, yeah, if, if he's if he's broken, if he's hurting, he's not the same. Mm-hmm. So that's why I always say to anyone, if you're hurting, if something's upsetting you, just talk about it. Find someone that can help you. There's always a way out. There is always, 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 I swear to you, a way out. Everything is fixable. Um, energy is everything. I'm, I'm say I'm religious, so I believe in a higher power. I believe in Maharaj. Whatever you want to, whichever way you want to take it, there is always a way to fix stuff. So if, like what I'm saying, yes, I'm in controlled aggression. It's still your MF set, you know, with CT Fletcher. That's a lot of, I, I think he's got like 10 million views on it. I think 8 million of those views is me. I had that, <laughs> one video, that one video was on repeat for, for many, many years on the big lift sets. And you're going, you're grunt, you're hyping up. But it's a real, real sense of satisfaction working. You've got to, you, so you you do something with repetition. So when you're revising, you do exam questions over and over again to learn. Mm-hmm. The same thing comes in in training. You've got to do something with repetition, and it takes time to carve, to build, to like I'm saying, oh, you want to do a muscle up, or you want to you want to build um, some strength. You want to go from 100 kilos to 200 kilos or 300 kilos, like Indoraj, and push the limits and boundaries. Um, that takes time, years of practice, and and pushing it. But it's having a goal in mind, it's sticking to it, and it's and it's channeling, knowing that you have the ability. There's gonna be days, man. Don't get me wrong. There's days I go to the gym, and ten kilos feels heavy. It's all again. <laughs> and there's other days I'll go in there and I'll pick up the seventy kilos, and I'm like, dude, I'll give you hell. <laughs> and it's just that it's, it just comes with the territory. And um, it's for me, it's just, it's channeling channeling that energy. If I'm in a good place, yeah, you'll see me rolling my eyes back and gritting my teeth and just get this. Um, and it is a sense of satisfaction, I'd say. You hype up, you know the weight's on the bar, you know it's going to build a muscle, you're going to feel that form, that tightness, you're, you're focusing on a back muscle or a chest or a shoulder or whatever, and it comes down to that. So please, everyone, whoever's watched my stupid videos of me being an idiot, I'm usually that idiot that you'll see walking around making noise and being silly in those funny little clips that are up there with Harry and other people. It's just those those controlled aggressions when I'm not angry, I'm not aggressive, it's just... We're just uh, <laughs> hyping for a set. It's, I'm not the undertaker. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm approachable, I promise. <laughs> At that moment in time, you don't seem very approachable. <laughs> out of my way. Out of my way. <laughs> no, it is sick, though, because uh, you do see, obviously, the motivational videos. Obviously, you said CT Fletcher there. A question that I've asked uh, Harry and Manj. Uh, how many times do you watch Pump and Iron? <laughs> a couple. Yeah, <laughs> Machiavelli motivation again. Like I'm saying, I've like he was 10 million views, eight million to me. There's a lot of stuff that you have on on repeat. There's a 100%. lot of um, videos that you use. You know, when you're deep into a prep and your calories are low and you're tired and you're dragging your feet, it's those things that hype tune. Um, there's little videos of me, like for example, if I'm in a happy place, I'll take a video selfie with music loud, like I'll sing along to a Pungra song and I'll send it to people that I've got love for or having a laugh with or something. Um, and then there's times when you're listening to that sort of stuff. Um, do you know the, uh, the strongest bench presser at the moment Julian Maddox uh, he did a video with C.T. Fletcher at the Iron Wars for example and there's a, there's, a, there's a clip in there that gave me goosebumps the first time I heard it he goes I'm going to show you why I'm a regular I'm going to show you and that's him shouting out and he did a 675 pound rep um, bench press raw for a double no spot no wraps I'm going to show you why I'm different. I'm going to show you why I'm irregular. And he does that. That's, that gave me goosebumps, man. And this, this shit like that, that really flipping hits. Those are the things that you use 
because they're tools. So I right, pumping iron, yeah, I've watched a fair few times. Durian Yates clips, Kai Green videos. Yeah, we, we go through them all, man. <laughs> they're on repeat. If you go through my YouTube history, history it's just like uh, Machiavelli motivation, Hulk tube motivation. <laughs> we come from a good background in terms of like lifting and things as well like if some of the art as well like uh, Indaraj has, has posted quite a few um, o- over the time as well of like Banda Singh Bahadur but obviously the pictures from back in the day were obviously yeah. swollen warrior it? bloodline isn't it warrior yeah, bloodline exactly. man just remember where you come from exactly what cloth you cut from 100% um, talking about obviously these inspirational figures and and pump and iron and and Arnold, uh, let's transition into the Arnold. See how I did that there. Yeah, so the Arnold was obviously recently, and and you did more than one competition this summer, didn't you? Or was yeah. So I did the I did a show. I did the Two Bros Claremont Classic. I was supposed to do the Graphism Show here, at Maidenhead, which is like not too far. Unfortunately, personal circumstances, there was some stresses going on and some stuff that was causing me a lot of mental thungi. So I struggle with cortisol. So like I said, when I'm happy, I can lift. It's that sort of happy vibe. It's just a different energy. Yeah. So if I've got something on my mind that's hurting me um, or causing pain, I can't channel it into lifting. Unfortunately, I haven't got, I haven't learned that maybe yet. That's something to learn. Um, so I was unable to get in ready for um, the Graftism 2 Bros Pro Show. Um, and then luckily it was a week later, the week or two, it was a week or two later, the Claremont Classic, same two bros that was down in Bournemouth. And somehow, some way, we got dialed in. I had the support of my brother, my mum, luckily she's got arthritis, bless her. Um, but she helped me, she beat my back while I had to, obviously it's something that you have to do, you've got to remove body hair and stuff. So she, even with her busted wrists, she beat my back for me. Um, so we prepped in and I dialed in. Funny enough, it, something clicked, it worked out. And then I got on stage at the Two Bros, which was two and a half, to 20, 19 days before the Arnold's. I won my category, my class, went into the overalls. The guy that won had like a 10 kilo muscle difference on me. So there's no way you can compete with that sort yeah. of level of maturity. So he happened to get his pro card about three weeks later anyway. So it was good. Uh, we did that. And then we went on to do, I prepped in and dialed in for the Arnold's. Again, there's a lot of stuff going on in personal life. This is where that trying to find that balance. You've got to push. You've got to try and manage your cortisol, stress, work life, home life, love life, whatever aspects that you have that are bad or good. You've got to try and balance them. So I tried to, as much as I could this time around, make it happen. Um, we still made it. Thanks, thanks to God. Thanks to the, the, the blessings that I have, the people around me that truly care. Because that's what it comes down to. And you, you, if you're alone, you can fight. I mean, everyone says that idea. The strongest soldiers or the strongest the guy that's alone has the strongest wings or whatever those motivational quotes i can't get the correct terms in my head but i was very lucky i had Ungud behind me Ungud's um family they're like we call them mum and dad they're like family to me i had my parents i had my little brother Girpa supporting me i had a few other people that really cared and we, we pulled it off we made it to the arnold's and it was a, a, a historic moment in the respect that it was the first arnold's in the uk ever mm-hmm. and i believe i was the first bug wearing sing or the first turban to go on that stage irrespective of me it was the first time a turban stepped on the arnold stage here um og sidhu jurawar he stepped on stage at the arnold's in spain a couple of years ago and there was a aspect of racism there that we can we can talk about as well but in terms of the uk yeah i was the first uh, bug to get on that stage which was 
the reason why I ended up doing it, because I knew I wasn't going to be able to place good enough. There was a lot of, my body wasn't responding, wasn't working with me. You know, it's got to, it's finding that fine tuned balance. It wasn't, we mitigated against the circumstances that we had at the time, which is the truth. Um, there's no denying it. There's no hiding it. I'm, I'm completely transparent. I made it work with what we had and I'm honored. I didn't place. Of course I didn't place. I came sixth out of eight in my class. Um, I wasn't as dry and as lean. The ratios weren't right. Room for improvement. Yeah, I'm not dead. I'm still breathing. We'll still we'll still do what we can if I'm able to next year um, to push it. Um, I'll still enjoy the, the training journey and see where it comes and see what life throws at me and where I'm going to be in the world. Hundred percent. But it's still like as you said, first turban round seek on an Arnold stage is is ridiculous. Like in the UK, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like or, or, like yeah, in the UK. So of of course it's it's that pushing the boundary and keep on obviously getting this like representation and it sort of comes full circle to what we were speaking about at the beginning is that some people might be ignorant and and that might be what happened in, in spain i'm not too familiar what what happened with that competitor um og sudu people follow him on social media he was the um, british champion uk bff in men's physique a couple of years ago 2016 right. um, fantastic physique another bug wearing singh one of the guys the trends are similar same gym as me top guy um a couple of the part of the group of people that we that we know um, so he went and he qualified and he went to the Arnolds and backstage, they, uh, the judges, again, Spanish, they, they said, take your turban off before you get on stage. And he was like, no, I'm not taking my turban off. So he got on stage, even with his shape and conditioning, they placed him to one side, didn't look at him. Maybe he wasn't big enough. Maybe he didn't have the conditioning or the shape that they were looking for. But um, that was what was said to him backstage. I didn't get that at this competition. Mm-hmm. We had um, head judge Steve Weinberger from the IFBB Pro League as the head judge here, he looked at me and judged me for my, my physique and, and, and everything else. And so I believe it was fair, which is good. So it's moving in the right direction. And I'm, I'm going to continue with, with whatever I can to help um, whoever wants to get into this um, and uh, support them as well. Because it's, it's fun. It's a, it's, a, it's a hobby. It's a lifestyle. It's not, uh, it's not uh, my job. It's not my career, but it's something I enjoy. Hopefully, obviously, going forward, it, it does help, like, with yourself and, and Mr. Sindhu going on stage with the bugs. It, it makes it, again, more achievable going forward because it becomes more familiar, less ignorance, etc. And and it, hopefully, obviously, we can just get more and more people from all different backgrounds. Not, obviously, we, we have buyers coming from Sikh backgrounds. We want to see and be proud of our mm-hmm. own and things. But um, There's far but, less of us as well, yeah. if you think about it. 100%. There's, there's a lot more Arabs, there's a lot more like Muslim background people from the Middle East, because, like, for example, Rami being from Egypt, they've got their first show today mm-hmm. um, in Egypt. There's a lot of Egyptian people, there's a lot of Arabs. Dubai is a very big place at the moment where the fitness industry is booming. Yeah. Um, obviously, America's the home of it. Canada's just neighboring. And the UK, we have obviously ex- big British bodybuilders as well. Um, so it's just a matter of the, the sing or the seek because of a form of identity for a bug, just specifically the bug as an identity, identifying sick to be able to get on that stage as well. And it is coming without a shadow of a doubt. 100%. It does seem like it as well, because I, I obviously follow uh, a few pages on Instagram, like as many do, like Seek Muscle and things like that. And you see like, you obviously, if you follow that page, you, you, all you're going to see is, is uh, Apane Human Fitness and, and men, women striving and unbelievable physiques, unbelievable lifting, strength. Yeah, pushing, and, and really pushing the limits and boundaries. And it's not just because... Exactly. It's, yeah, the bias to see Sikhs doing it because they're progressing because they're up and all that 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 cultural connection. But it's just nice to see a positive. I follow bodybuilding pages, and I follow up and bodybuilding pages and people, and it's nice to see up and up and 
that are striving to be better. And it's just bettering yourself, man. Don't yeah. be a lazy fatty sitting at home eating crap, man. Think your health is vital. We've got one life. You're not coming back after you die. You can have all the money in the world, but if you're not happy and you're not healthy, what's the point? Yeah. So live life to the fullest, man. Your health, your body is really important. It's the vessel you're given. Use it, utilize it to its maximum potential. 100%. And I think the past two years, a lot of people have waken up to that as well, like with obviously COVID and things and people obviously passing away due to underlying health issues and a lot of the um, attention from mainstream government hasn't really been for health and physique. But if you do, like, I think a lot of people generally did just take more care and attention of their health mm. um, and, and things to counteract that and hopefully it, it continues going forward i think with the thing with the middle east is is a lot of them countries are just investing themselves from like the state themselves from what i understand with like dubai and things is that they've invested heavily into fitness to mm-hmm. get athletes to move over there to have the crossfit games for example there things like that which obviously make it a bit easier as well and um in the west we don't have any problems with that maybe in india i'm not too aware of the situation there because i know some things are a bit ropey over there in terms of the fitness industry. Um, but again, we won't go into, go into that. Um, but uh, yeah, it, like you said, I, I echo them things because something, sometimes people get caught up on bodybuilding versus powerlifting versus CrossFit and which one's right, which one's, it's just move. No, there's no, nothing right. CrossFit is absolutely amazing. Um, I know people in CrossFit as well. It is a phenomenal sport. It's not a bad sport. Powerlifting is not a bad sport. No aspect of any form of sport or health or fitness or anything to do with moving your body to be a better person is very negative. So if you want to just do swimming for crying out loud, do swimming. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Every aspect, bodybuilding is just one having big biceps is just a show but being healthy is important crossfit's phenomenal going into fighting mixed martial arts mma muay thai kickboxing um any aspect of it is is fantastic you see the twin stallion brothers that are boxers it's flipping awesome to see them you see um um fighters you see uh, mixed martial artists you see people that are like Indiraj, other power lifters you see karen g baines is team gp lifting as well and everyone's putting their their, their bits in um every aspect of it is, is phenomenal to see man 100 it's it's just getting that representation across all, all all walks of life and all sports and all different philosophies it's it's just cool to cool to watch um you this morning we're back in the gym doing cardio and obviously you have had a recent competition um you we were speaking a bit beforehand about rebounding and things and and uh how how long did you take for a break I've never heard the term rebounding because I've not obviously competed before. What is that? Uh, I'm not, I'm nobody, nothing special. I'm not smart in, in this. So I'll <laughs> explain it in the best way I know how, um, or my as much as of what I know. If I can't help or explain it properly, I'll put you in touch with people that are way smarter than me. Um, but rebounding, so you're on a calorie deficit. You're depleting, you're water loading, water cutting, salt manipulating, um, changing your protein macros, your fat macros, your carb macros, and your body is under heavy amounts of strain. And then when you're coming out of a show, um, your body's sort of some stomach shrunk, but psychologically you want to eat all the crap under the sun, like me, <laughs> burgers, cookies, cakes, you name it, I want it all. And so what you're supposed to do is, okay, yeah, straight after the show, you have some your treats, you have a nice meal. And then what you're supposed to do is reverse diet. So say, let's go, let's say your, your normal diet is two and a half thousand calories. Coming into a show, you've come down to 1,800, 1,500, 1,300 calories. You're supposed to incrementally build your way up. So week one, you're still at 1,300, 1,350, 1,400 calories. Week two, 
1500 calories and oh, okay. build your way back up your metabolism is going to be on fire you're going to absorb that food it's going to restore your glycogen stores you're going to build back out i rather than doing what i've been doing in the past and a lot of people have made that mistake and what i've done in the last two weeks three weeks as well is just eat whatever crap so the first few days i just ate nonsense then i, I kept my diet i kept my training in like my cardio in and i incrementally um, added but i was also adding way way more calories and eating crap it was the psychological come down so it's a lot it's a lot what to do with um, your psychological straight state so when you've got a goal in mind you're fixed on that goal you're working towards reaching and achieving something and when you achieve it you're at the high post-show you've got nothing working towards so you essentially you're lost psychologically so you give up hope that's that's where the discipline comes in and i was sort of lost so you just i tend to lack of discipline go for something sweet and add those so i've now sorted that diet out. i'm on a stabilized diet and we're rebounding or reverse dieting out correctly my cardio has to remain because of my body type and i gain muscle tissue quick relatively quickly but i also gain fat very quickly so i've got to keep a balance on my diet and my training and my cardio and then reverse it back out into an off season where i'm going to bulk to build more muscle tissue to improve my shoulders upper chest and it's that sort of come down into an increase back out which is very important rather than hitting the show and then just flipping duck gear, yeah. sort of hammer at it. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that was, uh, that's what that sort of comes into. And it's giving no. your body a break mentally. So I went from competing on the second at the Arnold's that weekend. And then on the 14th of my birthday, I went and started my job. So it was like 10 days between. And in between that time, fun I was still yeah, fun te- very, very fun 10 days. Very, very fat 10 days. <laughs> Calories were ridiculous. <laughs> Can't tell my coach that because he's going to kick my jitter, man. <laughs> I'm just going to be pissed. But he knows what I'm like, though. So we're sorting it out now anyway. So I've got, some, I've got a few days off now. Um, back, like I said, cardio's back in. I'll take the dogs for a walk tonight. I'm going to go to the gym after this. I'm going to have a pre-workout meal, go to the gym, go gordore, go see family and loved ones that actually care. Um, and it's just nice having that little balance for a few days off, and then I'm going to be back in Gatwick. Um, training because i'm changing aircraft type so yesterday like i said when i was talking to you earlier i was on the doing my sim check for the triple seven seven eight seven so i've done that so i'm revalidated on my license now i'm going to do the type rating which is every aircraft has to have um you have to be certified on aircraft because the systems the type of aircraft the way they are how they operate is all different so you have to be certified by law so i've got to go take my get my type rating done on the seven five seven seven six seven so we'll have four aircraft type on uh, on my license hopefully smashed it no, that's sick to be fair. And and uh, when we're talking about rebounding, I've heard the term reverse dieting, but I've never heard anybody call it rebounding before. So that's why it's, there's probably a bit of confusion there. But um, I struggle with that myself as well, to be fair. Um, well, just dieting. It's in discipline. It's discipline. <laughs> and, and then it's giving yourself a margin and then keeping yourself accountable. And then it comes down to speaking to someone. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm very lucky. I've got loved ones, a few people that genuinely do care that are not opera. Um, people that support you. So same thing, I'd give you advice, bro, um, and anyone else out there, if they want to speak to me, if I'm not good enough to speak to, no problem, I can help you put in the right direction or find somebody that you trust and help yourself. And then like short-term goal for today, we are not going to do X, Y, and Z, or we are going to do X, Y, and Z. And then by the end of the week, the goal is to hit this. So for my goal this week is to make sure I go do my cardio, whether I'm walking the dogs or whether I do cardio on the treadmill at home or if I do the stem master. My goal is at least six days this week, I'm going to hit that. See, daily, yeah, my weekly yeah. goal there. It's yeah. just those little things that help you. And, it, and, and then it's not going to be, oh, my God, 
mar gaya sara kuch barbaad ho gaya tha missed out because of circumstances of lifestyle changes if my brother needs me to help him at a, a job or or if a friend needs me for something else because you never know some people bro everyone's life is dynamic something can happen at any moment you get a phone call yo i need you you can't be like no i've got this to do i'm not coming you you got to have fluidity in that ana huh? 100% 100% and and yeah it is is that it's exactly that thing that you just said yeah so like that that thing of of reaching out is obviously really important out in our community so like like i've had a couple of conversations bali jima is a powerlifter um and he's got a, a mental health uh like type podcast about where it's literally called lift your life because you, all the parallels from mental health to lifting are exactly the same and and um it is basically that but just reach out to people whether it be for obviously when you are struggling or whether it be just for advice um it's always going to be someone who's lived it and experienced it so it's best to talk out and get that experience like you've just echoed there perfect i think that's a nice note to sort of uh, a sort of wrap up on to be fair like cuz i think we've covered a lot learned a lot about flying in the air learned a lot about getting wings on my back so i saw bro it's all nonsense just this is an hour's <laughs> waste of time dude no, no. what's this bundle on about no no i appreciate <laughs> it no, I, i'm not going to say that i'm going to say i really thoroughly appreciate it and uh, and i generally have learned a lot and and i can see from when you're talking the passion and there's a few times where i almost got the the roll back undertaker eyes during the conversation so i think that's job done uh, good by me like so um what what we'll do is just at the end five quick questions that i ask every guest sort of in quick fire fashion you might have seen them on IGTV or something uh, so we'll crack on through these is uh, the first one is what are you most proud of oh god oh my god that's a uh... i know it's supposed to be quick fire but if i'm trying to try i'm going to be honest i'm trying to go from here most proud of what i've learned in the in my journey um how my eyes have opened to certain things and that's not just fitness related it's life related that's something i'm still most proud of that understanding of having being able to compromise being able to not perfect by by means i put my hands up and say i'm not perfect or make a lot of mistakes of human but the aspect of being able to understand from and i believe i do understand most of the time from other people people's and perceptions and aspects So I think that's something I'm quite proud of. I'm not being big headed. <laughs> I don't really like asking these questions, dude. <laughs> You're not going to like this one is uh what what are you most looking forward to? Uh quickly or quick fire looking forward to getting my life back. Uh, like I said I lost my job last year and someone that's been flying for 7 years um forever in motion always physically in motion and then being stuck at home and the highlight of being going to Tesco's I think the aspect of getting back to being an international gym horse flying having that balance with fitness training um gymming working alongside people like um Jazz Gill from Lionhide Faith doing some 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 work with him and just other aspects just having life back where it was about balance and it was that positive kush waking up in the in the in a positive vibe that's what I'm looking forward to which is it's all coming back now um, thank to thanks to god <laughs> definitely what's your biggest motivation <laughs> in what aspect in terms of training or in terms of life take it how take it however you want 
biggest motivation I'd say is, is uh, like achieving something, like uh, having a goal and then achieving it. So I'd put that down. So knowing that, okay, there's a deadline for such things is like now short-term goal or short-term motivation, passing my type rating, getting to fly. Short-term goal or long-term goal, six months off season to improve my, my physical health or fitness or for training. Um, sure, motivation as well to work alongside people I'm helping, I'm training and helping some couple of people that are talking to me privately about their, their journeys and helping them. So those are the things, my motivation. It's nice to see some of the guys that I've been working with for the last six months to see their progress and be like, thanks, Raj, you've done this. Month. I was like, bro, I haven't done nothing. I've just shared some dumb little little bits of information that I've picked up over the years with you. And I'm glad it's, it's helped. Some people have been in dark places and it's, that's motivating to see that, yo, they're, they're smiling again. That's that's the biggest biggest thing piece of motivation I could say is for me. It's, it's, it's a nice feeling. People seeing people coming out of a hole, even feeling like they're not loved or feeling like they're they're worthless, and seeing them like realize, yo, there's way more to life than being stuck in in the pain that you currently have. Hundred um, percent. What is your definition of success? My definition. <laughs> Success is, is achieving something that you set out to achieve and overcoming the obstacles that are along the way. So you know you've got your goals or whatever you're trying to achieve. Like, yeah, my goal is to get my, my GTR to 1,000 horsepower, something stupid. <laughs> my goal is to breed one of my dogs. I don't know, just anything. And, and, what, and, it, and it manifesting. Because that sense of success comes as that form of achievement. Like, yo, we set out to do something. Because everyone's goals and forms of success is different but like it's like you've set out set out to do something and you you rode it through so something that my parents i've got a tattoo of an elephant on my leg so i'll just explain what that means to me my mum and dad used to say when i was studying i'm not very academic i was i was told up until the age of 15 16 he's not going to study he's not going to go to university he's an idiot he's always causing trouble i've still got those gcse reports in the cupboard somewhere (laughs) and my dad or my mum used to say so in the grand scheme of things, you compare an elephant's tail to the size of the vastness of, a, of an elephant. It's tiny, isn't it? Don't quit. Keep going. You got this. That that perseverance to achieve your goal, that's the form of success. That's that sense of satisfaction. That is success, I'd say. And whatever it is you choose to do. Smashed it. And last but not least, because it's the Culture Cast podcast, how has your culture affected you in your journey thus far? My culture's played a big role, I'd say it's not pride or anything like that but it's that form of i'm proud of my identity like i'm a sikh i won't cut my hair yeah okay i i, I trim my beard uh, i shave body hair because of competing only for body for competing but i identify as a sikh um i identify as an um, Punjabi with that background and that has molded me in the way i think and my culture is a very big part of who I am. Like you'll see me bobbing my head to Punga music, man. Punga head through and through with a little bit of hip hop thrown in. So true school is right up there. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Smashed it, man. I, I really appreciate your time again. And um, I will leave Thanks you Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you bloody bringing me on, bro. The amount of the, <laughs> the caliber of people you have on your show and you, you're calling someone like me, I'm truly I'm honored and humbled, man, to, to be even considered so. Bro, yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I'm just talking to people who interest me, and you interest me. Yeah, you're a pilot and a bodybuilder, and oh, you, you stupid monkey, it. man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, are you mainly on Instagram? Is that your main source of social media? Uh, people want to follow you. Yeah, Instagram. 
I might not be on it for a little while, but um, yeah, Instagram's there. Or um, if you can get hold, even if you need to talk to me about something, you can pick up my number on there or Facebook, RJ Singh, or Instagram's The Flying Turban. Yeah. But if, if you want to get hold of me for a personal reason, if I can help you with anything, yeah, shout on that. Or yeah, I don't really use anything else. <laughs> I think most me. most people are Instagram nowadays, so it, it's yeah. it's just easier, isn't it? Um, yeah, smashed it. Um, people can go follow the Flying Turban on Instagram, and um, yeah, do you want to say any last words before we finish up? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> I'll catch just... everybody in the next episode. Then. <laughs> <laughs>